Hello and welcome back to El Stadio podcast on Ring FC. <laughs> <laughs> With El Loco himself, exactly. Longer. And Ryan Hun, how are you doing? El Normo. <laughs> El Loco and El Normo. <laughs> oh, actually, if we had Spanish nicknames, what would they be? I think you'd be El Musa, El Genio, or Quanga. No, Ryan, no, please. El Disappointo. Listen, Hun. yeah, flattery. <laughs> Flattery gets you nowhere. How long have I known you? That's true, actually. It gets everywhere, everywhere. Flattery gets me free coffee and cake. That's true, Whenever actually. we meet up. Which might not be a while now, man, because winter is coming. Yeah, the cases. The big old wave. Any admin to start? Mm, any admin to start? Uh, ringer.com forward slash soccer. I had a piece go up on Thursday, not long after the podcast, about Viv Miedemar. That's a great piece, by the way. That's an excellent Thanks, piece. I haven't actually spoken to you about it, but it's excellent. Really Thanks loved very it. much. Yeah, great. Stadio Session 8 is available to listen back to on mixlr.com forward slash stadio. You click on the show reel, you can get all of the past sessions, listen to them as they were. Or if you just want to listen to the individual tracks, the ones that are available on Spotify are in a Spotify playlist. So yeah. if you search for Stadio Outros on Spotify, you'll find our Outros playlist, which we play, which we put everything we play out on into a playlist, the newest one at the top. And then, yeah, you'll find it through there. All of the sessions have their own individual playlists. So if you fancy some music to tide you over, if you're working at home or, you know, you're doing some runs or, you know, if you just want just to chill, they're all there. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Any other admin? Um, I suppose just the virtues of hydration. Yep, Always hydrate. Install those, yep, hydrate. Um, apart from Layer that, up. Yeah, oh my God, Yes. Do you know what? Absolutely. Is that the new one? Layer up. Yeah, layer up. Honestly. Layers. I'm I'm really hyped for layer season. It's it's well into layer season now. Definitely. So I I went out the other day and it was a bit like, mm, a bit too warm to go hoodie and a jacket here. So I'll ditch the hoodie, wore a t-shirt and a cardigan. Strong. And then just a scarf with the jacket undone. It was very, it was very autumn, winter, 2020, 21. I'm not yet into scarves, but I'm definitely on the high collar at this point. Oh, colour up. Yeah, just to protect the neck from the wind chill. Cantonar autumn. Cantonesque. Cantonesque. Yes. All right, we're going to get into football today. We're going to talk about El Clasico. Mm. Touch on a little bit of La Liga stuff because there was a couple of interesting results in La Liga. Then we'll touch on the Premier League, which returned to norm a little bit, but also staying abnormal. Yeah. It was Invincibles Day. For Arsenal fans, <laughs> there's no team in the Premier League can now go unbeaten. Every team in the Premier League has lost. So, amazing. obviously, that's the real quiz. Of course and, it is. Uh, what else? We're going to touch on the Bundesliga. It was um, Revere Derby, Bayern absolutely demolishing Eintracht. Lord. And a couple of catfishy results in Serie A. We'll probably come up with some other stuff that we'll talk about. We'll, you know. We'll end up talking about Captain Marvel at some point. I don't know. I want to talk about Hasenhutl going all nomad. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) Anyway, we'll get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important 
to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, Musa El Genio Okwanga. Right, Ryan, El Normo. Han. El Normo kind of sounds like Elmo's full name. Yeah, Paninio. Um, Paninio. Paninio. So this is... Paninio Normo. Paninio Normo, yeah. This is, uh, <laughs> this is um, an interesting result in this Classico. Um, Barcelona, well, Real Madrid 3, Barcelona 1, or Barcelona 1, Real Madrid 3, because it was at Barcelona. And an enjoyable game for all the wrong reasons, I think. Thoroughly enjoyable for all the wrong reasons. You know, loved watching it. And at the same time, almost watching it through gaps in my fingers. Because, I mean, the game was just so open. And I think if you could have a moment that typified the entire game, it was the opening goal by Valverde, where Barcelona's central defence just went absolutely AWOL. And the weird thing was Barcelona had actually started, I thought, reasonably well, with the exception Mm. of Busquets, who was kind of... (sighs) Busquets is how do I say this delicately? You know, the way Rakitic was getting hammered, mm. it won't happen to Busquets because of Busquets' origins and all the rest of it. Mm. But, but, but Busquets is, he's in trouble. Like he's really struggling. Yeah. And he isn't just struggling. He is now a problem to the point where someone like Frankie de Jong can't be enabled in his best position. And that's having knock-on effects for the rest of the system. I actually liked the system that Koeman chose. I liked it. I don't think all the selections were right. I think Pjanic actually, you look back, maybe Pjanic should have started ahead of Busquets because he's a better player at this point, unfortunately. And that's not a reflection on Busquets, it's just Busquets' physicality has just deteriorated. But the opening goal by Valverde, unfortunately, set the tone and it foreshadowed everything that was to come. And Barcelona, there's a look, when, when, when Real scored their final goal, the look on Messi's face, the look on Messi's face, it was just like, you know, you can't read too much into look specifically, but the despair of this team isn't winning anything this year. This team is not, in this current form, don't get me wrong, like it can, it can still win because the pieces are there. The pieces are there to win. And I think the formation was the right one. And I think that actually this is a really productive way to go forward. They have to make some fundamental changes in personnel. They have to. Yes. I mean, I think that this, game was a lot more entertaining than the last Classico, mm. I thought, and kind of proved a, a bit, <laughs> it proved to be a bit of a microcosm of where both sides are at. Yeah. And yeah. that there are glimpses, but they aren't completely done. However, there are such huge issues for both sides. I don't know, maybe because there were no fans there, or maybe because I think both sides are acutely aware of their limitations. There seems to be a little bit of a I wouldn't say a fear aspect there. <laughs> Both sides seem to have a little bit of an inferiority complex now. And I think that transitions through yeah. play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw uncertainty. When I saw Barcelona equalise, I'm like, you're the better team. I mean, 
Real went a goal up. And at that point, Barca were the better team. Barca equalised. I still thought Barca were the better team. And then a strange thing happened. There was a lack of, of maybe a lack of sort of um, execution in the final third. So the failure to execute, this was the frustrating thing from Barcelona's perspective, the failure to execute passes that are well within the capability of those Barcelona players. At one point, it was like five aside, and I was like, Barca, you can walk the ball into the net. If you just complete an extra pass, you can walk the ball into the net. They could have got two, they could have got two more goals in the first 40 minutes. No, hands down, hands down, but they didn't do it. And then a funny thing happened, which is that I was watching Rails midfield and thought, hmm, Kroos, Casemiro, Valverde, you haven't got someone that can beat someone on the dribble necessarily, or a couple of men. But then when I saw how the game played out, I was like, you don't need one because Kroos then took control and just started passing through them, around them, regulating the ball so easily. And I just, there was a window where Barca were like, where it was working. And that is where I feel for Kuman. It was working for the first 40. Mm-hmm. And then the personnel, and I have to say, Coutinho, this was really disappointing from him because you're given the position as the 10. You were given that responsibility, that responsibility first wanted at Inter, I didn't get. And they put him in front of those two midfielders and his failure to connect time and again was just, and this is, the, this is quite harsh maybe, but if you put James Rodriguez in there, for obvious reasons, he'd never have gone there. James Rodriguez with that amount of space in a game like that, I believe would have blown away that Real defence. I believe the way he's playing. Yeah, maybe in the 10 role. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on this 4-2-3-1 thing for, for Barca. Not with the players that Koeman played in those positions. Like the midfield for Real Madrid won it, I think. Yes. So if yes. Barca were going to kind of see that element of control in midfield, then they really needed to give Real Madrid something to think about going forward. Mm. The two that Barca are kind of relying on at the moment are Messi and Fati, mm. which is, that's too big a gap in terms of experience, I think. And, and not necessarily ability, because I think Ansu Fati, who became the youngest ever Barcelona goalscorer in a Clasico, to add to the, the long list of other youngest player to do whatever for Barcelona and Spain whilst they had chances Mm. I don't think they really gave Real Madrid enough to think about you know they only really had like one massive chance apart from the Messi miss well the Coutinho miss was was big but even then I don't think that's a huge glaring chance but the first half this was the thing they were on this was was what I'm saying like they messed up so many passes in the final third on the attack, like simple passes they just didn't complete. Mm -hmm. And there was an impatience there. And I suppose this was my frustration watching it going. I was like, all you have to do is make the extra pass. There's a moment actually watching um, Sampdoria against Atalanta on Mm -hmm. the breakaway when I think Balde holds the ball up and releases at the very last minute, having drawn two defenders. And that's the conclusive goal. And I was like, that is the composure that Barca needed. And this was the weird thing I thought, because I thought, hang on a minute, I liked the formations I said at the start of the game and I was like, oh, this is actually working. Barca just aren't executing. And then the moment that Real reconfigured and closed that gap between midfield and defence, the moment Casemiro basically just wised up a bit, I think got a bit less rash, maybe it was the yellow, who knows, but the moment they just closed that gap, it was, it was, it was, it was lights out and you could feel it. You could feel Real playing their way back into the game, mm. slowing it down. Kroos drawing wide, playing it down the flank and then just regulating play. And I was like, they're done. There was a window. And this is why, I mean, I use the word fear and maybe uncertainty, I'm not sure, but there was definitely a window when Rail were rattled. Mm. 
And there's a thing with them, isn't it? They they do that. They do that second half against Shakhtar. Um, they did it against Betis. They've been doing it all season, actually, which is why they're still a good bet to end up winning this whole thing. They're still a good bet to end up winning it, I think. Just because it's funny, the, each game I've watched Real play in this year, they've been the least interesting of the two teams. Like every exciting game they've played in, they've not been the most exciting factor, but they found a way to hang tough. Even the Shakhtar game, they almost pulled it back. Yeah. I think the thing that concerns me from a Barcelona standpoint is that I think they could be doing more with what they have. Yes. And I think that there's a little bit of, um, not an over-reliance, but maybe a, an over-loyalty maybe to Busquets at this point in time. Yep. Yeah, and Frankie's not really getting the keys to the midfield still. That Barcelona midfield at the moment is like you know when you actually like take driving lessons, and the yeah. driving instructor has the has pedals in front of them as well. Yes, it's kind uh, of like Frankie's driving the car, but Busquets is the instructor still, and actually he just keeps slamming the brakes on or like speeding up when Frankie's fully in control of the car. Brilliant, analogy. you know, it's just like yeah, let brilliant. him go. Yeah, because there's a I think there's a double thing there where if you if you give him the responsibility, I think he'll take it and I think he'll be fine. But I think that having the presence of someone who was so legendary like Bush gets there, I think actually inhibits Frankie to fully go out because we've seen the best Frankie Diong is a brave Frankie Diong, right? Yeah. It's a fearless Frankie Diong. When he was at Ajax, he had the freedom to run the midfield. Yeah. But he needs to be the guy who's running the midfield and I actually think the game, I think I mentioned it before, but, but I think Real Madrid won this game in midfield. Yes, yes. At midfield and Ramos, basically, yes. were the two. Yes. The two major points for Real Madrid here. Oh my and God, think, you see what Ramos gives them, doesn't it? This, this, this is the thing. This oh. is the thing that Ramos gives that I think it's, it's just, it's like having a parachute, basically, Ramos. Ramos is like jumping off a cliff with a parachute. You know he's there. You know you're safe. Yeah, there'll be, you know, he's, he will probably dig you out of trouble at some points. But the extra grit that he gives, because these, these are both quite placid football teams. Yeah. Compared to what they were, like if you look at those old Classicos and they were the gnarliest, just most fraught fixtures, it was exhausting and exhilarating in equal measure watching those games. And they're not there. They're too placid. Do you know, there's a moment in the first half, there was actually there's a five minute period Ramos does something incredible. He gets, the ball is like out on the uh, left flank, Barca's left, his rail's right. And he gets possession. Instead of like hitting it long, he trusts his fullback to play it out. Like, and he plays quite a short pass, not mm. a hazardous pass, but basically it was like the calm. He does it like sort of twice in like sort of five, 10 minutes. There's a couple of times where he played really, um, he played passes from inside the box. He didn't smash it long. He was just like, no, we're going to play this out. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to regulate this. And just those sort of cushioned half volley clearances never lashed it. So the whole thing is his whole body language was like, no, we're not going to panic and slash this away to the midfield and give it back to them. Mm. We've got possession. We're going to work it out under a bit of pressure and it's no problem. And I'm like, they weren't doing that against Shakhtar, of course. And the commentators were saying, it's good that Ramos is there because he shows the leadership that we would expect Ram, uh, Varane to be showing at this point of his career. You know, we were hoping to see Varane step up, but it hasn't happened yet. And Real must be so glad to have Ramos back. And mm -hmm. absolutely, this is the really painful thing for Barca. Maybe not so much for Messi, because I'm not sure Messi assesses himself in these terms, but for, for Barca, Messi is your icon. 
and Vareil, Ramos is your icon. And you watch Ramos just going from strength to strength with each passing year. He's captain of the champions and they've shown Ramos the retirement or the late state, the late era that he deserves. Real, with all their ill-fitting pieces, have given Ramos much more of what he deserves. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't. To be, if I'm being completely honest, I can't really draw an accurate conclusion from all of this stuff because I think that, you know, we were on the last podcast, we were talking about the Shakhtar game mm. around Madrid and we were talking about how this is quite a different job for Zidane in terms of rebuilding and on paper and on current ability you know the Real Madrid squad is more talented and I think that's got them over the line in this game you bring on someone like Luka Modric who you know is a Ballon d'Or winner very recently that is the kind of level of experience that you need leadership and experience and responsibility that you that Barcelona are kind of missing in their midfield you know they could bring on Pjanic yeah Pjanic has just got there and that's an intimidating club to go into especially Mm. when Artur has gone the other way and actually Artur is a midfielder that they never really got the best out of. Mm, yeah, that's an extraordinary, that looks worse and worse, that deal. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It, was, it, 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 it kind of, and I, I, and I like Pjanic as a player, but I think if he was going to move to Barcelona, it, it should have been five years ago. They traded Artur. You know what, that's Loki, one of the most disrespectful things. Yeah, I mean, it is time. basically because I think Artur is, was really, yeah, again, they never really maximised him there. But they didn't want to. I think that's the thing about Barcelona. It's kind of like there tends to be no real urge to actually maximise the talent that they have there anymore. It's just kind of like, go and do your thing. Can be harsh. Go for it. They had Ricky Pooch on the bench. Yes, they did. They had Alenia on the bench. Yes, they did. They had the players to win this match on the bench. Yeah, they did. And they didn't make subs till when? Like what, 80th? Kuman just sat there or stood there and watched the thing implode and I was like, you know, okay, like good start, but, and he didn't make any decisions. They yeah. Have- I think, I, th- I think he could have taken more risks. I mean, they made, they made no changes until the yeah 82nd minute of the game. And I think that, you know, if you look at the players that are on the bench there, you actually have the players to build quite a cohesive attacking unit there, but you need to, you need to own it. And I think that the problem with Koeman at the moment is he's doing a lot of talking Yes. But I don't think he's really owning anything. But there is a problem here as well, like in terms of just pure creativity. Like Messi's not scored from open play yet in the league. And they're just not creating as much chan- as many chances as you would expect a Barcelona side to be. And I, and we actually said that there looked like some improvement under, under Koeman. And there was, I think. However, these are the games that he's going to be really judged on this season because losing a Clasico at home, 3-1 this early in the season, with everything that's gone on this summer, if they win this game 3-1, it's a whole different Barca going forward. Yeah. But I think we should praise Madrid and we should really, really praise Zidane because I think that he actually managed this game really well. Yes. I think the penalty was one of those where it massively changed the game and it was one of those where it was equally a penalty as much as it wasn't a penalty. Yes. In terms of Longley committed a foul. Ramos also had hold of him. Longley really shouldn't have pulled his shirt like that but Ramos dives the opposite direction. (laughs) So you could have very very realistically had a penalty, a yellow card for Longley and a yellow card for simulation by Ramos. Yeah. And all in one sequence, which I think, if I'm being honest, provides the perfect metaphor for what the Classico is at the moment. That is exactly El Cat for show. (laughs) As you you said before, El Cat for show. 
Oh, is there anything else from the Classico you want to talk about? Yeah, just quickly, just, just two quick shouts specifically for Benzema and Valverde. Oh, yeah. Benzema, again, look, Benzema and Ramos have just been lights out for most of the last 18 months for Real. They've just been carrying that forward line in defence. It's almost like we'll do the heavy lifting because the rest of you are kind of going through different patches of form. Other players have been strong in that squad. Don't get me wrong. You know, Kroos has had his moments too, no question. And he's been really strong uh, in the league, I would say, certainly. But Benzema and Valverde has just, you know, there is a player that's absolutely hung in there and come to do, he's, he's now doing for Real, ironically, what Rakitic did for Barcelona for so long. He came into a midfield where you had these established stars, these sort of heritage players who were going down as legends. And Valverde just came in and provided that energy and self-sacrifice that is now getting all the rewards and he deserves them, frankly. He really deserves them. So yeah, shout yeah, out to those two. Definitely. Let's move on to Real Sociedad. Oh my goodness. Top of the league. I By a point. Love, I love this win so much. Do you know what I love about it? Most of David all. David Villa's first assist and for returning back to I the love league. Alexander, Isaac and oh. Silva combining is really exciting. This was the thing I was most excited about when Silva joined Sociedad. I was like, oh my goodness, you're going to be supplying Isaac. And it happened and it was so beautiful when it happened. Mm. The touch that Isaac takes from the long pass by Silva is glorious and the finish is amazing. But then also, like, as, as you say, Silva's first assist was such a classic. How many times have you seen him drift across the top of the box and you know the reverse pass is coming? You know it's coming, but you don't know when. You don't know when. There's no body. There's no, there's, it's all disguise. And he slips in Porto and Porto has been great this year. He's been great. And a good Huesca team beaten 4-1. Yeah. This is, this is, a, this is a statement victory, as they say. Well, as I say, sorry. As yeah. you say every week. Yes, it's a statement victory. Oh my God, here's a statement victory, Claxon. It's a statement <laughs> victory against a side who uh, have not won a game in La Liga this season. A statement victory. <laughs> it's a statement victory. They are, they are one of two sides who have not won a game in La Liga this season. It's a statement but victory. It's a statement victory. <laughs> who come in, come in, whose last four games has been four, four draws and a, and a defeat. A but statement it's a victory. a massive statement victory for a side who's top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> statement victory. <laughs> you know, but what, what I love about um, Huesca is they are hard to break down and they were really good against um, Atleti. Atleti battered them. Mm. They battered um, and they, Huesca, the way they shut down Joao Felix in tight spaces. So they are a team that if they've got a plan, they can stop you. Yeah, definitely. And Sosida just picked them apart. And I'm angry at Atleti because that nil-nil draw, you're looking at me like, oh, that's typical Atleti. It's like, no, that's actually my most, that was maybe my <laughs> favourite Atleti performance of the season. Because I saw them shifting. Then the, the Granada one was, you know, obviously a great result. But the Huesca result was, I suppose, more interesting because you can write off the 6-1 as, you know, start of the season, Atleti kind of just going for it. But Huesca, they came up against a team who'd seen them do that and then worked hard to close them. And they still almost broke the lock. Mm. And that was as enterprised as I'd seen them. So to see Sosida just come and like blow them away was really, I was really impressed by that. Atleti beat Betis 2-0. And I thought this was a really fun game. It was. This, this one thing, it was fun. I mean, I don't want to laugh, but there was one moment and you would have seen it when um, Lorente's running through on goal, I think. Was it Lorente running through? And, and, and Suarez is running alongside him. No, Carrasco, sorry, and he can't catch up. Oh, no, no, yeah. It's like and, running in treacle. And he's running so, and he's like busting an absolute gut Suarez to get there. And it's just like, then you're like, okay, you know what? This guy gave everything. He gave everything of his body and it, his, his legs just failed him. And that illustration right there was 
it's why Barca sold Suarez. Like you, you get it, you see it. You see it in that like five second thing, but also like the sheer desire to still get in goal scoring position and close that game out. And Atleti were impressive. They were impressive here. Um, and in the league, at least, I don't know if they're going to score enough goals to win the Champions League because that's a shootout. But in the league, at least, which is not so much of a shootout, they're going to be there and thereabouts at the end, I think. Well, I mean, you know, Luis Suarez, who is joint top goal scorer in Absolutely, La Liga yeah. this season. Yeah. And Sufati, also there. No, I thought this was a really fun game. Jan Oblak had an absolute blinder. I thought he was man of the match, to be honest. And he made one save in the first half. I think it was from William Carvalho that was absolutely unbelievable. Channeling pure Spanish football podcast, a blacktopus energy. <laughs> yes. It was absolutely amazing. But yeah, Atleti the only side not to lose so far this season in the Liga. Just ticking along at the moment. And Atleti have only conceded one goal in the league this season. What was that, their opening game of the season? Granada, right? yeah. They haven't conceded a goal in the league since that game. They've also got two games in hand on Real Sociedad and one on Real Madrid. I just think it's going to be so interesting this season. We say this every week, but yeah, La Liga, La Liga, La Liga, bloody hell. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit, or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. All right, man, so where do you want to go now? Premier League? Yeah, let's do it. Can we discuss the biggest game of the weekend? Leeds Aston Villa. I mean, it was. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, Leeds Aston Villa was an absolute joy. Thank you to Bielsa and co for this wonderful game. Tactically, it was a delight to watch. Very strong Villa team. And Leeds just opening them up in a really exciting fashion. So Leeds were really strong throughout, actually. The stats in this game were just off the scale. Like, mm. The amount of sprints in particular leads to compared to Villa. Oh, yeah. Unreal. Like, and I'm giving Villa a lot of praise here because Dean Smith has done a superb job there. But to Leeds' credit, they managed to upset the rhythm such that Grealish didn't quite have the match control that we've seen him have in previous games this year. And the thing about Leeds is they've had at least an equal share of the possession in every single game this season. And they've dominated possession in most of those games. And that's the thing I was, I said, I said this on Twitter, like it's interesting because in a time where a lot of teams will be efficient with possession, have less of the ball, Bielsa's like, no, we want that. We want the ball. And they're doing everything they did against Liverpool in that first game. They've stuck to their plan. They lost 4-3 at Anfield and they're doing the same things now. Amazing crossfield passing. And the thing about having no fans in the stadium is you can hear how hard they're hitting the ball, right? And my goodness, some of those leads passes, those short passes over 20 yards were being hit almost as hard as like 
shots or, you know, like shots or corners. They were really driving. They drive the ball into feet leads. And I was saying to a friend the other day, I was like, I wonder if leads in training, Bielsa's like, hammer these balls into feet and they overhit them. He's like, no, it's better to overhit them. Mm. I'd rather see an overhit pass into feet than an underhit one because they were hammering it. And the only consolation for leads, the only consolation for Villa, sorry, is there are very few teams that can hammer the ball into gaps and hurt you like Leeds can. At least yeah. early season leads before the fatigue and the injuries might catch up. The wildness of the Premier League kind of toned down a little bit this weekend, but in a sense it was still low-key wild because you had that Leeds result. Leeds are three points off top, I think now. Shout out to Bamford, outstanding hat-trick. Yeah, great hat-trick. Another great point for West Ham at home to Manchester City. Oh yeah, shout out to Michal Antonio, who's just been lights out since the restart. Seems to have played in like nine positions. <laughs> well, it must have felt like he was marking... Ruben Diaz must have felt like he was marking nine men because you see him... Cut- for, for Antonio's goal and mm. Diaz is holding him and like trying to like, like a, like an exoskeleton and he just rolls him. Like he's not, I like there. him up front, man. I, really I like, like him up him. front. I do. Shout out to David Moyes as well. You know what? David Moyes brought that back. Dude, he's brought that zoom managing energy to real life. He has, he has. He's made really started to click when he was doing it on zoom. And then, uh, I think his first game back was the Spurs game. Right. And they were three nil down at half time. And I think I messaged you saying, the, the points that they'd taken whilst David Moyes was managing on Zoom compared to the points that they'd taken when he was in person. Was yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> but they faced Spurs away, yeah. Manchester City at home, and come out of them both undefeated. And Leicester. Yeah. And I the mean, Leicester game, I believe, obviously. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, West Ham. The Stadio uh, account, which is run by an unnamed An unseen source. hand. <laughs> Stadio <laughs> sources. Stad- Stadio teen. <laughs> just the presence the dark presence in the background um, said that the Premier League has catfished us all and I think it has because everyone is all over the place and even when it's dull it's actually really intriguing you know but the games a lot of the games were really boring this weekend I thought the only team that's, really, not, cat- really, really the only team that's not catfished us in the Premier League can I be real with you it's Crystal Palace the only team I see a result and I'm like you haven't catfished us we knew what this was I don't look at them and go, oh, oh, this is a massive shock. I'm like, oh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, anything. played six, won three, drawn one, lost yeah, two, yeah. scored eight, conceded nine. Standard. S- 10 points, seventh in the table. Doing their thing, playing their Just position. Standard. Same amount of points as Southampton, who beat league leaders, Everton. Overwhelmed them, actually, really. They really learned from that Spurs result, put it that way, because they've not lost since. Yeah. And they've only conceded three goals outside of that game in five games this season. Just loads of credit to Ralph Arsenal. I really liked, did you see Carlo Ancelotti's post-match interview? No, no. When he was just, he was almost just laughing. He was just like, we didn't really play well. They played better and they deserved to win. And he was just like, fuck it. I love him <laughs> so much because it just takes so much pressure off. Yeah, although he did go in on Lucas Dean's red card and said that he cannot believe it was a red card. I kind of can. He ice skated on his Achilles for for a good four metres. And even though he didn't mean to do it, obviously, it was still really, really gnarly. It was so reckless, yeah. I had this thing, though, when that happened. I actually tweeted. I was sat here watching it on my own at home. And I swear to God, I heard Gary Neville go, oh, when he did that. (laughs) And I went and looked on YouTube. And there's this amazing, really short, it's like the perfect YouTube video. Like 28 seconds of Gary Neville just going, oh, look, listen. Ah. 
Anyway, that was going on in my head. Do you know what's funny about that? It's because it's, when you hear Gary Neville do that, you're like, for those brief split seconds, he's back in the moment. Like when he saw Torres score against Barca, that's the noise he would have made when he was downfield. You know that amazing, you know, sometimes when you see like, I love it when every now and again, when the striker scores and it cuts back to the goalkeeper and you see the goalkeeper Mm. just going wild. Yeah. And it's the sound that you make when you don't think anyone's watching. And I love, that's why I kind of love it. It's so real, you know? Is it like, it's like the dance, like no one's watching thing. Yeah, exactly. Groan commentate, like, commentate like no one's watching. Commentate growl, like no one's listening. Groan like no one's listening, yeah. But anyway, Everton are still top of the league. Liverpool closed the gap. Yep. Well, they levelled the gap. They're, they're level on points at the top of the league. Uh, Liverpool beat Sheffield United 2-1. A much better Sheffield United performance, I thought. Yep. Whilst Chris Wilder could really do with a win, I don't think that he will be too disappointed about this. No, Oliver Burke looked dangerous and they could have maybe a little bit of luck, got a draw out of it, but it's not an unfair result. Liverpool did have too much. Yeah. And much respect to Liverpool's recruitment because Diego Jota came just at the right time. Like they, they upgraded that squad in those two key areas and those two players, Thiago and Jota, are going to play a vital role. I actually think Liverpool are going to be okay this year, despite all the chaos. I think they look the best suited to navigate this terrain. Even with the absence of Van Dijk, I think they're best suited to navigate it. But yeah. That's me. Look, I love making my big shouts and I'll make one there. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I said it last week that, um, you know, I think that whilst no one wants to lose Van Dijk and it's a really horrible injury and obviously we hope that he gets fit again soon and returns to the level that he was at, I think that for Liverpool, they will be able to outscore most of their opponents this season. And right. I think that'll be enough in this league. You know, I, I think a really good week for them after the derby with everything that happened and how emotionally charged the aftermath was, going and getting a decent result at Ajax, not playing that great, being a tricky Sheffield United at home and having a little bit of a scare. Klopp would have taken that at the yeah. beginning of the week, I think. As we mentioned before, Palace doing Palace things, beating Fulham 2-1, Fulham a little bit of a better performance, I think, but just beaten by a superior side. I think that... Yeah. I'm not sure about Fulham. I think, yeah, I, I, I can't really see where a win's coming from for them, which means that they'll inevitably win their next game. <laughs> um, do you want to quickly talk about Manchester United-Chelsea? My takeaways in this game, I actually loved what Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank had to say about it. He was like, look, this is a game that neither team could really afford to lose. Manchester United just lost 6-1 at Old Trafford. Do you really want to lose two straight games at home? You don't. And they set up the same way they set up against Newcastle, which was a really good win. But of course, Chelsea are a stronger side than Newcastle. And, you know, I think it was right. There was an element of safety first. Rashford got a lot of criticism for missing a chance. And I, I don't think the chance was actually that. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, people made out like, oh my goodness, terrible miss by Rashford. It's like, no, it was, it's a good save by Mendy. Mendy, um, one slightly awkward moment, one frightening that moment. One, that, that one from just inside, on the inside left. Yeah. Missing a chance, wasn't it? Like. 20 yards out. It's a good save. Yeah, I thought, anyway, that's just my, exactly like, you know, football Twitter. I thought Mendy, Mendy, thank goodness he didn't have that, concede that shocking um, opener. Uh, And the the pass across the box. Pass across the box, my goodness. If that had gone and you don't recover from that. But, but you know, it's not the easiest. And also like, you know, Mendy is trying to sort of make his way at Chelsea, but he was really strong after that. So shout out to him. Both managers will be privately much happier with this performance and this result than they will admit publicly. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they just didn't. You don't you know. Chelsea have had two nil the draws back to back, and Lampard will be saying to himself, "Well, look, two clean sheets, like that's progress. That's progress." You know, and yeah. and the weather was brutal. Like it I, was you awful. Know, I spoke to my nan on the phone, and she she was going on about how much it had rained in Manchester that day. She said, yeah, "I think her exact words were, and it did not stop." Oh goodness! Yeah, it doesn't stop up there. It really doesn't. Cavani um, almost scored at the near post. Yeah, with and, it, with his first touch, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, obviously, we have a, no sample size to go on, but got a little bit of a suspicion Cavani might do some stuff this season. Oh, absolutely. I think I don't. I wonder if at the end of the well, no, because his wages were prohibitive for most most teams. But Cavani is a great piece to add to any to almost any attack. What well, any of them? He's a Cavani. He's brilliant. Mm. Just a question of affordability at this point. But it'd be very intriguing to see if more clubs could afford Cavani. There's a couple of teams in particular, if they had him, they would surge up like quite a few league tables, I think. I wanted him at Newcastle. Oh my goodness, he'd have been a legend there. <laughs> okay. um, should we wrap the Premier League by talking about Arsenal-Leicester? We kind of have to, don't we? Kind of have to. Leicester... Just echoing a tweet I posted after the game, I think Leicester had a very, very clear game plan and executed it to absolute perfection. Despite conceding the majority of the ball, deserved the win, Yeah, I think. The only thing for Arsenal that I would say is that I can't see why that goal was disallowed so early because when it goes to VAR, on that initial angle from behind the, the assistant referee, you think, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's clear. But that is the purpose of VAR. You have multiple angles and you take it out of the field of vision of the assistant referee to make a more accurate conclusion. The header from Lacazette was on target. It didn't take a touch from any other player who was offside. And when the ball hits Lacazette's head, Granite Jacket isn't impeding Schmeichel. He's not in his line of vision and he doesn't touch the ball when it goes in. So... Therefore, I think it should have been given as a goal. The referee signaled for offside and that's what it was given for. Um, I think this is a really, really strange decision. And maybe it changes the whole game. However, even if it does, it's kind of irrelevant because it doesn't change the fact that Arsenal have averaged, I think, about 8.8 shots a game this season, which is their lowest in something like 20 years. And they're just not creating chances. No, they're really not. Like in the tweet, I said, I think that if a, if a side sits deep and doesn't take the bait, which is what Arsenal were doing early on under Arteta, luring teams out, stretching the pitch, making the pitch really big. But Leicester made the pitch really small. Everything was in front of them. And I looked at the pass maps on Zone. There was a huge space in front of Leicester's back four in the central positions where there were hardly any passes attempted by Arsenal. And I think that this is the problem when you have sides who now know, you know, West Ham did it early on in the season, really early on. Had seen what Arsenal had done to other teams this season, made the pitch really really small in terms of play the game in their half that everything was in front of them and Arsenal find it really hard to break sides down in that when they line up that way and whilst he probably hasn't been performing to the level that people would want from him the only real player in Arsenal's squad who can operate in that position in a game like this is someone like Meza Ozil yeah it's, it's really great having structure and having discipline and having patterns of play but when you have an opposition who lines up to completely nullify that those patterns of play and that structure you need to throw in an element of chaos you need to go a bit jazz you know and I think Arsenal have actually swung too much the other way from being too jazzy under Arsene Wenger 
and lacking structure to being too rigid. And whilst I think that Arteta is still doing a good job and I think that it's building blocks very slowly, I think he had a lot to sort out when he got there. And yeah. The Ozil thing is so weird. Right. It's so weird because no one will talk about it. No one will. There's a Rory Smith and Tariq Panja made a very strong attempt to untangle some of the reasons why that's deteriorated. But here's the thing. Neither Ozil nor Arsenal spoke about it. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. We don't know what happened there, but all we know is it's severe enough that he was not registered in the Premier League squad for the entire season. That's and my, the Europa League squad. I've never, Ryan, we've wild. never seen this. We've never seen. No. We've never seen a player of this influence, of this level, exiled. No matter what you think about Meza Ozil and whether you think he's a fraud or a ghost or whatever, this is a game that's t- tailor-made for a player with his skill sets just to fuck with the structure a little bit. And also let them ghost, let them ghost around yeah. in these little pockets. It's going to be a problem for them because it's the theory, it's, it's one of, it's one of Walcott's many laws, you know, it's the not being there makes them better players. Yes. And yes. I don't want to spend too much time on this after we've spent too much time on this, but because we can't change it and I can't have this conversation every time Arsenal show more evidence of a lack of creativity because it's going to get boring for everyone involved. There is clearly something gone on there. There's a lot of noise around it. There are a lot of articles and I know it bores everyone to tears, but I just cannot see this as a footballing decision because if it's a purely footballing decision, there are other people to make way for that kind of player. I agree. It's not just football. It can't just be football. But before we move on from the Premier League, I want to stress again that I think that Leicester absolutely, like Brendan Rodgers got his tactics completely spot on in this game. And I think he out-tacked, I think he out-tacticked Arteta here. And I mm. think he deserves a huge amount of credit for it. He managed the game absolutely perfectly. Everything went, obviously, if the goal stands at the beginning, maybe we, we're talking about a different thing, but it didn't. And it went the way it did. And, you know, managers react to in-game scenarios. I think Brendan Rodgers played it absolutely perfect. Brought Jamie Vardy on for the last half hour, which is all he was fit enough to play, got the breakaway goal. Worrying thing from an Arsenal perspective is that the junior centre-back who's only just signed in the summer, Gabriel, is repeatedly telling Mustafi, a World Cup winner and vastly experienced centre-back, to cover the space that ended up being the space that was remained uncovered for the goal. Arsenal lost David Luiz and actually lost with it a lot of their creativity, which is worrying. Your centre-back shouldn't be the most creative player on the pitch. Leicester, great result bounce back from a disappointing result against Villa and yeah absolute props despite Arsenal having the majority of the ball I weirdly think Leicester were the, the team controlling the game because it was as we more saw against on, City as more on their terms City. actually yeah, yeah. I see. we're recording this ahead of two Premier League games that are happening on Monday night Brighton against West Brom and Burnley against Spurs so more Premier League let's move on to the Bundesliga so Start with Bayern, Eintracht. Yeah. So Bayern 5, Eintracht Frankfurt nil. Notable for, well, most of all, in a good sense, for Robert Lewandowski's hat-trick. So he's now scored 10 in 5, which is a record, breaking the record set by Robert Lewandowski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful goal by Sané as well, cutting it from the flank and cracking it in the corner, Robin style. But the big news, the biggest news really is the injury to Alfonso Davies, I suppose. And mm-hmm. I wonder... We don't know what the extent of that's going to be yet, but that didn't look good. 
so yeah, a bad ankle twist early on. But Bayern just looking formidable against an Eintracht team who've had a couple of eye-catching results this year. Eintracht aren't a bad side. No, they're know? not. They're not. They're not really not. Eintracht's first defeat of the season. And in the other four games, they'd only conceded four goals. And this was way too easy for Bayern. And also Jamal Musiala came off the bench and scored his first Bundesliga goal. 17, isn't he? 17-year-old English. And like he looks 17, like as in like, you know, he's thin, he's wiry, like it's adorable. Yeah, yeah. First day at school vibes. Yeah, definitely. So Bayern up to 12 points, as are Borussia Dortmund, who beat Schalke 3-0 in the derby. Yeah, it took them a while to get going, really. They had, yeah. I mean, they, did, they didn't score their first until, what was it, 50, just 10 minutes after halftime, Manuel Kanji scored. From a lovely move, though, from the corner. Yeah. Little Guerrero 1-2 with Julian Brandt, who kind of backheeled the 1-2 up in the air for Guerrero to take a touch and then volley. And then Kanji, who was still up for the corner, got the rebound. There was a thing, some, someone, uh, Guerrero, was it Luis Ambrose said Guerrero is the game's least talked about world-class player. I like that as a, I think he's an elite left back. I think it's fair. Like he's an elite left back and he's been really strong now for like what the last couple of years. I he's mean, very, yeah, he's very important for Dortmund. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you think they signed Nico Schultz from Hoffenheim at the beginning of last season. It was expected that he would kind of go into that side and Guerrero is not really giving him a sniff. Barca could have done a lot worse and go after Guerrero. So can you stop that talk, please? Why? Stop it. Just let Why? him live. Let him be there. Let, just, just leave the Dortmund boys alone. I just thought Serginio Dest is really good on the right. Actually, he was very good for Barca, Serginio. He was, yeah, yeah. He was he really was. good on the right for Barca. And if you had Guerrero there, they'd be cooking with those fullbacks. Yeah, left-back's a problem for Barca, but yeah. leave leave Rafa alone. <laughs> Erling Haaland from a Sancho assist. We've seen that movie many, many times. Reina and Sancho, they are absolutely in tune to exactly what Erling Haaland wants for an assist. The amount of goals that Erling Haaland scores where he just pulls off the, the, the shoulder of the defender and Sancho or Haaland just little slide rule pass and this finish was amazing on his right foot a little dink over the keeper it was very rude Van Nistelrooy actually yeah that's a good shout very Van Nistelrooy reminded me of him uh, Van Nistelrooy against, against Basel in the Champions League yeah all coming off his body and just goal. oh just a glorious glorious finish and what was amazing about it was the disguise on it mm. the disguise on it the goalkeeper had absolutely no idea where this was going it was a really lovely goal yeah Mats Hummels with the third from a header from a Rafa Guerrero corner and uh, very, very comfortable in the end for Dortmund, especially after the disappointment midweek against Lazio where they were extremely poor. Elsewhere, Gladbach came from behind to beat Mainz 3-2. Got to see win that. We got to see a nice smiling Marco Rosa. A shout out to him because his subs changed the game there, Hoffman and Neuhaus. Yeah, definitely. That was a good win for Gladbach. Moved them up to fifth behind Stuttgart, Dortmund, Bayern and Leipzig. Leipzig who won again on the weekend, beating Hertha 2-1. Hertha are struggling. They've only won one game this season, lost their other four, and they need to fix up very, very quick. We got two, two we got a, got a red and nearly a second one. They nearly got two reds. They took the lead, but then after that, they were lacked, they lacked yeah, ideas. Yeah, they took the lead with John Cordoba, but then they just looked a bit, yeah, a bit dry. We're not going to know the elephant in the room, are we? Uh, the, elephant, about, the, elephant, uh, the elephant in the wardrobe. All right, okay. Just, so we need to talk about Julian Nagelsmann's get-up. Because first of all, I thought I was watching the Formula One when I saw him walk <laughs> out. On the Formula One tip, by the way, shouts to Lewis Hamilton. Oh my goodness. Broke the record for all-time career race wins on the weekend and is just a legend. And then came out with an NSARS t-shirt. Oh, before the race, actually, when he was interviewed. But yeah, I, I seriously thought I'd accidentally switched the qualifying on for the, for the Grand Prix. 
because he had big kind of race engineer energy. <laughs> and then he proceeded to have more costume changes throughout the game than a Grace Jones gig. I've got a theory about this. Look how Leipzig have got so many goal scorers this year compared to before they split up the goal scoring. Yeah. So maybe the chameleon energy that he's channeling through his outfits is, is spreading to the team. He's like, I can be all things and so can you. So last year he was a lot more stoic. It was like a single point of contact. But now it's like, oh, we are many things. I don't know, man. This, this could be it. One thing I thought it might have been it was because everyone can hear everything all the time now in the stadiums. Maybe mm. they're tactical triggers. That's hilarious. Yeah, formation change. Right, guys, we're going to start like this, right? But as soon as I put the hoodie on, Angelino, you go a little bit higher. That Emil, be... come a little bit more central and we'll push. And when I add the extra layer, <laughs> that's when we press, press, press. That is, you know, it'd be incredible if someone could... That's genius, Ryan. You know, Can so you imagine, funny. like, just, if you imagine if there was a, a manager who actually really took that seriously and was just like, you know, like, uh, do you remember in The Wire when, like, Bubbles is going around putting hats on people? Yeah, the hats. You know, this is, you know, this is genius because actually it's plausible, Ryan. It's, no, it's actually, no, it's, no, it's weirdly plausible because it's a fun way to remember. Like, we have, um, you know, the amateur game, we, you know, shout out to Andrew Eber who coaches our team, like the Unicorns. Andrew would do formation changes during games, right? Like. 15 minutes in, okay, switch to this or whatever. And what I love about this, it's a fun way to remember tactical changes. It's really fun. Like I, I'm almost, do you know what? I'm, I believe it. You know what? This is my, I don't like conspiracy theories generally, but this is what I'm going to believe. <laughs> so it's the 8G truther. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if there's anyone this podcast likely to believe, it'd be me, wouldn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I would love that. You know, like every time the, the, the camera cuts back to a coach on the sideline, they've got like a different hat on. <laughs> Just be so amazing. amazing. Or like, you know, the glasses with the nose and the mustache. <laughs> or then like a little party hat. And then it cuts back again. <laughs> and he's wearing, it's like, oh, Nagelsmann's got a fez on. I'm this now going to be watching on Nagelsmann. Like, I'm like, if he's wearing a fleece, it's a back three. <laughs> he's wearing... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back fleece. Cardigan is Gagan Press. Oh my goodness, I can't. There you yeah, go, man. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's the theory. Absolute genius. Right, that's Bundesliga. All right, do you want to go to Serie A quickly? Yeah, very quickly. Come on then. What happened to Atalanta? Oh my, Atalanta. <laughs> do you know what though? People are springing the trap. I mean, it's Ranieri and Sampdoria have been running a pretty tight I'm ship. I'm scoring right? three again, man. Yeah, yeah, they've been, they've been good. So they've been strong. But this is what people have been noting with Atalanta. They do leave themselves open. And people are really exploiting that now. And we've seen it too often now for it to be a, a coincidence. Now, the difference between this loss, they lost to Napoli 4-1. And Napoli have just been strong this season already. So let's give Napoli their credit, put respect on their name. But Sampdoria really looking at this and going, well, we're not going to hammer them early, but we will break them over mm. time by hitting them on the break. And the way they ran the counter, Keita Balde in the final minutes going one-on-one -on -one and just holding the ball, holding the ball and waiting for the gap to arrive because he knew it would. And it was good night. Good night, Atalanta. So look, still a really strong side, but interestingly, he didn't score an open play in this game. Had to score from a penalty. And every time, you know, beating Atalanta is one thing, but stopping them from scoring open play is another one entirely. Like to be able to say that you did that to this era of Atalanta, super impressive. They shouldn't be too worried because they still got plenty of goals in them. Ilicic is easing his way back in. Um, and also, Qualiarella is just ridiculous. So he will do And he missed a penalty. Yeah. So he's going to, like, there are worse things that can happen than being beaten 
buying in from Sampdoria led by Quagliarella because he's done that to many teams and do it again. So it's one of those ones where there can be a risk and Ilicic is still struggling to integrate himself back into the team. He still looks slightly sluggish. We say sometimes in football there's a danger of drawing the wrong conclusions from a result or a defeat. And I think Atalanta just have to keep playing their game. They're going to be yeah. fine. Third drawing four for Juve coming from behind. Yeah, see, that's more of a problem. This result is more of a Verona. problem. Yeah, I think this is more of a problem, weirdly enough, than the losses for Atalanta because Atalanta, you can see the remedies. But Juve... Yeah, although they had a goal chalked off for offside, which was... The Murata one. He is the unluckiest with career-changing goals. It was like an armpit hair offside. Like, yeah, I don't want to be that... You know, yeah. Murata with his... Do you know his amazing goal in the game against Real? Yeah. The beautiful floating lob when he basically was like besting Ramos and was amazing. And as is this loud goal, and you just think, if, if Murata scores this goal, this goal gets allowed, it changes the trajectory of Murata's career. It really does. Brilliant. Was it last season? I think it was last season, yeah. This allowed mm. goal. And I thought if he, get, if he gets this goal, it changes the course of his season, maybe his Atleti career. And you see this beautiful chip against Verona and you just think, you are so unlucky with gorgeous <laughs> offside goals. You're so unlucky. And he looked really down. He looked so stoic, but you could see that inside he was crushed. What is it with you, Vey? Just struggling for cohesion at the moment? I said cohesion like it was two words. Wow. I think they're figuring it out. Yeah. Obviously missing Cristiano Ronaldo, which is a factor. Because he's the kind of guy who would probably get you through games like this. Right. And it's kind of revealed the lack of systemic flow, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I assume that the difference between Pirlo and Sari is quite vast. Mm. But this is one of those things where Pirlo is going to get time because it's Pirlo. But um, quickly, Inter 1 2 0 away at Genoa. Nice goal from Lukaku. Uh, they're up to fourth. They leapfrog Juve. And we're recording this ahead of Milan Roma. Um, Milan is still top on 12 points with a game in hand they could extend their lead to four points over Napoli yeah it's a good Serie A is really fun this season really is really all is. the leagues are all over the place really you know embrace the chaos fam Milan impressive Milan very impressive against Celtic in midweek actually and Milan are just looking good this season still only conceded one goal in the league yeah they're kind of tiptoeing back into the picture yeah definitely I mean that's kind of one, one thing worth noting about the Verona Juve game is that it's only the second goal Verona have conceded this season as well. Mm. And whilst they're not scoring many, you know, they're not really being torn to bits. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do, I, this is a real cop-out, I know, but I do, I do just wonder whether the whole toll of football in the coronavirus era is just, it's taking its toll on everyone, you know. All right, quickly before we go, Leon beat Monaco 4-1. Yeah. 4-0 up at halftime. It can be ran right. It can be second goal, can I just say, was beautiful because the ball cuts crossed into him and he chips the ball out of a tackle. He floats the ball. At first I thought it was a bad test touch. He, he chips it out of a tackle and then hits it on the half volley at the near post. Auer, just smooth as... Oh, this guy... So good, man. Auer, do you know what Auer is? The kind of good, you, it could be like, there could be a hurricane outside and you look outside your house and of course everyone's indoors and there's him just walking his dog down the street with his scarf unruffled and intact, like, and the hurricane just like, nah, we won't touch him. Like, he's just the coolest. He would have really been amazing at Arsenal this year. Oh, Musa. Sorry, you... sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> um... <laughs> he is such a smooth footballer. He's amazing. Nice penalty yes. too. It was just a, a very convincing win for Leon. And it's, it's Monaco's third defeat of the season. Nico Kovac is 
starting to get a little bit of stick because one of the first things he said was about, when he joined was about kind of restoring defensive stability and um, yeah. yeah, I mean, going four 0 down in the in the first half against Lyon isn't a good look. Yeah, it's many things, but it's not defensively stable. Um, but PSG have won six straight since their opening two defeats in the league and a top. There weren't many times I'll take any any form of pleasure from PSG beating Dijon four 0 but the only only thing I enjoyed about this game was Moise Kane. Yeah. Moise Kane scoring twice. I just want just, Moise Kane to be happy, man. Yeah, me too. Really, really happy for him in this game. It didn't work out from Everton, which was a bit of a warning sign because Ancelotti's a really good person to bring mm. out the best of a young player. But maybe he had just had too much. It just had gone wrong from Everton for whatever reason and he needed a move to get regular football, to get regular starts. So maybe Ancelotti just said, look, to be honest, you won't be a regular starter in this configuration, mm. which is fair. So go somewhere where you will be. I'm really happy for him. Tidy win for Marseille away at Lorient meant that they climbed to fourth after Nice drew with Lille. So yeah, top four in Liga, PSG and Lille are level on points on 18. Rennes on 15. Marseille also on 15. Uh, do you know what? Can I just say, I, yeah. I don't, just rounding up, it, considering we've had a Classico, a Revere Derby, Manchester United, Chelsea, Leon Monaco, yeah, and some big games this weekend. After everything that's been going on in football the last few weeks, it's kind of felt a little bit not underwhelming, but a little bit like, huh? Yeah, football's got some chill back. Yeah, it has actually. I think that's fair. That's really fair. I mean, makes podcast doing podcasts a little bit tricky. <laughs> But yeah, I think, yeah, it has been very normal. Um, my favourite game of the weekend was Leeds-Villa. And my only criticism is that Leeds weren't playing on the Saturday night. Mm. Because then I haven't got to worry about enjoying my weekend. I can just plug that in and be like, oh, that's my, that's my happiness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sort it out, Premier League. Put more <laughs> Leeds games on Saturday nights. <laughs> yes, please. People want. You can go to your oh, little Cretan restaurant around the corner and have oh my a nice God, dinner it's so and just good. say, thanks, Leeds. <laughs> thanks, Leeds. No, that's really it. <laughs> uh, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. And hydrated. Hanging in there, staying hydrated. Yeah. We are going to record those conceptual episodes soon. So thanks to everyone who's submitting their team disrespected 11s. If, even though we haven't replied, we've, we see them. We see them. We're going to record that soon. Yeah, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. One or both of us will have a piece going up this week. Yep, yep. You can check us on Twitter at Stadio, on Instagram at Stadio Football. Anything else you want to add, Musa? No, just generally be happy, be good to each other. You know, life is short. These times are short. Um, let me just... Uh... God. Mm. Or Leitungswasser. So tasty. Born, born sippy. <laughs> I'll get out of here now. <laughs> yeah, you will. I'm just going to put you on mute. Uh, we're playing out on the Akenga Superstars of Africa. This one's going out to Nigeria. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. So free, so free, got your monkey. So free, so free, got your monkey, oh. Monkey, why you want why you the monkey? Oh, when you want to catch a monkey, so free, so free, give a banana. 